welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Thanks for joining us in our Great Communicator series, where we talk with some of the top church leaders in the country about how to be effective preachers and teachers. This week, we're hearing from Beth Moore. Beth is an author, speaker, and Bible teacher, and the founder and visionary of Living Proof Ministries based out of Houston. Beth has written numerous best-selling books and Bible studies, many of which have been translated into over 20 languages, reaching people in countries all across the world. But before we hear from Beth, we want to remind you that you can check out extended portions of some of our interviews at churchleaders.com plus. And if you're enjoying our conversations, go ahead and leave us a review. But first, let's go to Ed Stetzer, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and the Executive Director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. Well, Beth, as you know, we're talking about effective communicators. It's part of the Great Communicators series that we're doing here. And um, I want to hear a little bit about the, even the—I know how you think about the Bible. I've, I've, we talked about this countless times. But I want to know a little bit of how you think about communicating the Bible when you're teaching. What are some things you bring to— how you're going to communicate? How are you going to teach God's word? Like the preparation process. A yeah, little let's. Bit. I mean, let's start there. But I was actually, actually, I was thinking more of your philosophy of what you're going to do. Because I know you're when you're writing a study on Galatians or Philippians, you're studying, but you are studying in part to communicate it. So I mean Absolutely. more there. What are you bringing to that? Absolutely, I I can tell you that my driving motivation would be that I want so much for that listener or that reader to catch that fire uh, for the love of scripture and for the love of Christ. So one of the things that has been probably the most important part of the process has been just loving it myself, Ed. I love, I even looked so forward to this conversation. I can't wait to hear the other guests because I love talking about this kind of stuff. And and to love something means that you're not having to work so hard at it because your love for it is coming across. And I think that is the thing. And you said it early on when we prayed together, you said, you pray that we would be of help to people who view uh, this resource. And and that is what I'm after. I, I want so much when I speak or when I teach, I want that listener or that reader or that viewer to be helped. I want them somehow to have something they leave that message with that helps them find their way with Christ and see the life and experience the life of the scriptures. So uh, that's it for me. I'm what I, yeah. I caught something. I truly did. I caught the fire for it. And I'm wanting them to catch that from the Holy Spirit, something that really can't, I teach it, but I really want to see God make it contagious more than anything. I can't make them uh, have a fire in their bones for it, but he can. Yeah. So what are some ways that you you're, it's kind of essential talking about being receptor oriented. You want the mm-hmm. hearer to hear and get a passion for God's word uh, to say, maybe I want to go study God's word. What are some things in your preparation? And I want to go through kind of the, the techniques of it yes. in later, but what are some things in your preparation that you're sowing in there so that the hearer goes away and does want to learn more, does want to engage God's word more faithfully and fruitfully? What are some things you're putting in there to help them? It's absolutely critical that they know that although this is a timeless word um, and been and it's been on the page uh, beginning to end com- complete in every way for centuries, that it still has a living aspect, the spirit of God who who brought it into being, who breathed it on the page is still breathing it. And so it's still relevant for what we're living through now. And I, I think that to make that connection, to make the connection, and again, only the Holy Spirit can do it, but to be available to him in such a way that that page is making it to that pavement, that's going to be everything to me in that class. Is this that is on the page going to somehow make it onto the pavement when they leave? So one thing I'm thinking about constantly 
And one of, the, I don't know if we'll get into this or not, Ed, but it's uh, for me, there is a distinction between when I'm asked to speak and then when I'm asked to teach. Right. Those those two things are are different in my preparation. But if I'm teaching, one of the things that is going to drive me continually is did I convey a how, not just what and not just, of course, ultimately who, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. But do they know how to implement some of that when we get off? Do they know where or, or when when we um, dismiss, do they know where to pick their foot up and put it down next? Is there something practical enough for them to know how to put it into practice? And I, I think that that comes to me from experience from growing up out of a very, very bad background and having every kind of tendency toward brokenness that you can imagine. And I was raised in church, Ed, and wanted I wanted to be godly so badly. And I, I wanted to walk with Jesus. I wanted to love Jesus. I wanted to love scripture. But I was raised to know all the what's, but I did not for the life of me know how. I, I, I can't I wish I could think really what age I was when I first even began to understand concepts like walking in the spirit, what that would mean for the Holy Spirit to be living through us instead of us trying to live for God. It was a it was a a, a game changer for me. But that so that drives me constantly. I think about people like me. They're just going, you know, I want to so badly. I have no idea how. So and, that, and that's where teaching would be different. Where teaching is can be the conveying of information, historical, yes. whatever else it may be. But uh, but you call speaking or, or or preaching. That's more exhorting people towards some life change. Yes, okay. yes. Okay. And what they have to see, and I think this is very evident to our audiences, much more so than we will give them credit for. Often, they know what's authentic and what's not. Yeah. One of the things that I would want to say to a young speaker or preacher is that they can tell whether or not we have just memorized something and we're saying it by rote. I cannot dissuade a viewer enough from just getting some good messages and doing those same ones over and over. And we, we all have life messages. All of us have things that we've taught multiple times. My story is, you know, and testimony is similar from, from time to time, but that that material is fresh on our hearts and that we have received it from the Lord and, and through prayer, uh, that that's going to be critical that it is real all of us that have been around a while ed wouldn't you wouldn't you agree with this we know how to just get an audience going totally. if i want to get an audience clapping i would know how to do it i would know how to get a standing ovation one of the things i love best about god is he is on to all the bull i love that about him that he's just onto it. He knows he convicts us with his Holy Spirit when we're going into perform instead of going into serve. And so to resist that urge to perform, to resist the urge just to go in and get a reaction, because that kind of reaction is not what sticks. What sticks is going to be, is there a connection between what we're saying and what we're living? Is there a reason why they should even walk away and implement any of that truth or believe in that name above every other name on this earth? Hmm. Okay, so how do, like, like, even as you're saying that, I, I mean, we both are very comfortable communicating in these kind of settings. So I have a pattern. I'll, uh, and everyone who listens to me 10 times at church says, I see your pattern. Uh, I will, halfway through the message, I'll bring some humor in, maybe a particularly funny moment, anecdote. And then right from there, I'll go right into, because their hearts are open, I'll go right into the important point that I want to bring. You can see it coming. Everyone's heard me 10 times in a row, knows I'm going to do that. Um, I, I don't want to be um, manipulative in that but I want to be a skilled communicator in that. So as we grow as skill and effective communicators, how can we guard against using that skill? Your caution, how do we guard against using that skill to manipulate people? And yet do we still, I mean, I, I've seen you, you have 
you have patterns, you have skills that you've learned. So how do we avoid the uh, guard ourselves against manipulating people with those skills? Well, I think it's one thing to have a fairly workable method that you go by. That's different than having the same material that you're putting to that method. Oh, I see. I got you. Very, very different thing. For instance, uh, very often I am speaking at a conference where I will be doing several messages and they're they're connected. There's some way that I'm hoping that they'll go from A to B and then to C. Well, I'm going to know, Ed, and this is much like what you said a moment ago about a a one segment message that might be a sermon or a shorter teaching. I know that the heaviest part of that message, if it's going to get heavy and it's going to really get get down to some tender parts of them or it's going to be deeply convicting or we're going to deal with something pretty big by way of uh, sin, uh, that will usually go in the middle for me because I want time for them to recover and to be able to uh, come to a place where they are walking in hope with what they're going to do with what they just heard. So I'm with you. I'm going to work. If I've got enough time, I might work humor into it uh, several different times, but always an illustration. One of the things that I try to do in my preparation is that I want my major points. So this is usually sometimes you and I are asked to speak and our fellow communicators are asked to speak on a particular topic. Right. Uh, that's different. But if I'm just going in with my usual method, the, the kind of ways that I have found workable through the years, then I want my major points to be pretty timeless things that someone could receive in 10 years and it would not have outlived its day. The word of God is timeless and there are so many ways that we can relate those truths to them that aren't relegated by our current events. But then where do current events come in? Well, that that to me, the good place for that is illustration. That's going to be different that I can go. Well, for instance, what we have going on right now in the world, in the news and in uh, the church, whatever it may be in my family. But my major points that I'm looking for, those are the things that I'm praying are going to be as true in 25 years, in 100 years, as they are today, those things that are going to stick with them. And what you and I also believe is that it's going to be the word that does not return empty. So I have to think, because we all, all of us who are communicators know that there is no mastering this because there's no there's no lassoing the Holy Spirit. There's no manipulating him. And, and this is so dependent on the the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but we know what it's like to blow it. I mean, where we just think, I don't think any of that stuck, but if I can get to that end of the message, and if I can go to my car and know, you know what? We opened the scriptures together. Mm-hmm. We read the scriptures together. We, we talked about things that were true about the scriptures. Then I've got to settle that in my mind and know it's that it's that that is going to bring the increase. That is where the life is. That is where the promise is, not over my performance. So there's a lot of humility that is built into speaking, isn't there? It's a tricky thing. And it's it's how do you both stand up in front of people with a bold proclamation and a message and not make it about you, not be a distraction. You don't want people to go away saying, boy, that was a great preacher. You want them to go away saying, what a great Savior. What a, what a great way we can understand yes. the Savior through the Word yes. of God. So it's a challenging balance, and yet we want to be effective, compelling communicators. And i got to tell you, I know godly people who love Jesus, who know all the technical preparation tools and tricks, and who get up, and it's just not, it's just not compelling communicating. And I almost feel like it would be better if they if they didn't, you know, preaching boring causes people to be bored by God's word. And so how then do we find that? Now, you've, a couple of times you've been, uh, you've mentioned different ways, like your points are eternal, your illustrations can be more temporal or local. So you've got yeah. these stackpole points. So go ahead, and if you wouldn't mind, walk through us, what, walk with us through the process of preparing, because mm-hmm. you've kind of explained what it looks like. How do you get to what it looks like? Okay, I, I would love to do that. I want to differentiate uh, with our 
viewers about times when I am just getting to choose my own topic and my own, my own text or when it's given to me. Right. For instance, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke at a church and this has happened a number of times where the uh, pastor may be on sabbatical. And so he's in the middle of a series. And so he's saying, could you speak on this? Or it may be that there is that someone's sick and I'm jumping in for them. And so I'm assigned a particular topic. That that's, that's one thing. But if if it's going to be, and I would call that predetermined or what I'm now going to call prayer determined, which is even more fun for me. Ed, as I live and breathe, about 80% of what I teach and speak on is coming directly out of my own devotional time with God in the morning. I, I cannot say enough that one of the things that is going to drive that message is going to be that it truly did land on you first, where it you're not it's just not bypassing your 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 own heart and going straight out of your mouth, but that it's it's rested in your the marrow of your own bones and found a place there. So, so much of it, I don't go into my devotional time for preparation, but so much of my preparation will come out of it. For instance, I'll be reading a passage, whatever's my passage for that day, I don't go looking for it. I, I read out of a, a lectionary or I read a book of the Bible. Well, all of a sudden, you know, I'll think, hmm, something will start even a, a part of that scripture, a phrase it may be, will start turning over in my mind and I'll think, oh, I, that that is thematic. That that is that's a word that'll just jump out at me. And then so I'll flip to the back of my journal because I don't want to interrupt my whole prayer time and then get off on preparation. You understand what I'm saying? I want to st stick with God, see what he's going to say to me. But I want to remember that. And so often that's what will then turn into the message. So I want to say this about about being about being less than enthusiastic. I want to I want to say the word boring, like you said just a moment ago. But here are a couple of things I believe so strongly in praying. I mean, fervently for what it is you want your message to be like and to convey. And I'm. I want to love Jesus. I want to love the scriptures in such a way that that comes across. And that as we do, when when that comes forth, that those words have been completely life-changing to us. That these are things that, I mean, changed a whole trajectory of our lives. I think that comes across. I, I would suggest that a young communicator um, think throughout the lifetime of a calling to just pray again and again and again, Lord, give me an unquenchable love for your son and give me a thirst and hunger for your word that is not even, it's not even worldly. I mean, that could only be of your spirit and then give me a way to communicate it. Help me, help me know how to say it and know how to put it. Um, I love their verses that I pray very often in my, not only, I was going to say in my preparation, that's not true. On an ongoing basis, I would have prayed it this morning. At the very end of Ephesians, so at the end of Ephesians chapter six, Paul says he's asking, he's telling them to pray for one another. And then he says, pray also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel and that I will preach it boldly as I ought to speak. And I, I, so I pray that I pray, God, give me the, put the words in my mouth. I mean, put them in, I open my mouth, put your words in it, and then give me, give me the capacity to, uh, to speak it boldly and just the, the pure, the pure aspect of prayer, Lord, you do it. I, I have to rely completely on you. Fascinating. I think I think um, your emphasis there is really important, and it does come from a place where we are we're bringing a message, 
but it's a message from someone and yes. to have that relationship. I want you to know that in another context, I would have not let that lectionary comment just slip by my Anglican <laughs> sister, but that's another story for another day. We're very focused on communication yes, in we this are. Yes, <laughs> as we are. well. Um, so, okay. So, so then we've got the, uh, the message, but mm -hmm. you're going back to the one who sends the message. That's the prayer focus. How do you begin to structure? Do you, is it, are you writing down pen and paper? Are you oh, opening up a program? What are you doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going, I prefer pen and paper before I ever get to the laptop. I, I like that process. I don't, I don't know why exactly different people I have different kinds of methods, but mine is going to be primarily because I've got space for it in the back of my journal. So I got my pen in my hand. I got my paper right there and I begin to add to it. You know, as I, as I continue to hear, Lord, am I onto something here? And I'll say, say for instance, I have an upcoming speaking opportunity in Boca Raton, and then I'll be in Colorado Springs. I'm, I'm already really listening to the Lord in my time of prayer for him to say anything through his word that I feel like is landing toward one of those events or to one of those concepts. So I start making notes on that. Then, of course, the main thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read that text over and over again for shorter messages shorter text is just basic basic rule of thumb that's not always going to be how it is but i would rather teach a little teach a little more about uh, a, a smaller segment of scripture than to try to teach a little about a whole lot there there are different ways of doing it different times of doing those things but i'm going to read that text over and over and i'm talking about the scriptures now and as i read it i'm going to emphasize different words i'm going to read it out loud and i'm going to emphasize different words or phrases so i'll read it once and i'm going to emphasize this and then i'm going to read it a second time and i'm going to emphasize this then I'm going to start going to my resources and I, I'm going to boldly say this. I, I was not trained academically. So my, I have, I have had to rely and have been glad to so thankful to rely on Bible resources. So I have a library. I have a, uh, I have software. So I have a library that goes with me everywhere I go. And then I have hard copies that I've got a library in my, office that you've seen. Um, so I'll use, I'm going to, I'm going to turn to some commentaries. I'm going to turn to some Bible dictionaries. I'm going to turn to some, I'll do some word studies. Just that, that word stands out to me. Um, where else is it used particularly in that, by that author that I'm talking about the one that, that, that the Holy Spirit has divinely inspired that one. And then preferably in that same book, does he ever say that same thing, that same phrase, this same word? For instance, if you look at the word gospel in the book of Galatians, see it numerous times. Okay, I, I hardly have to look any further than that to see what his definition would be. So those are things I just think are so much fun. I, I love the research process. I love the study process. And part of my process is I got to go on a walk and this might not happen just once. It might be two or three or four times, but I have to let that steep. I have to have time to let it roll around. And, and in such a way, Ed, that I'm not grasping for it. This is one reason it, it, sometimes if I'm just sitting with my pen and paper and Bible and resources, I'm grasping for it. And I have to tell myself over and over again, Beth, your job here as a teacher or a speaker is to receive, not achieve. You're, you are trying to get something that is supernatural. You, you are after something that you cannot do on your own. So receive it. He wants you to have it. <laughs> He's called you to this. This is your gifting. So, but if I've got my paper and pen handy, I'll, I'll be, I'll have more of a tendency than I'm, I'm going to work so hard, work so hard to achieve it. But if I'll go on a walk, even driving Ed, but my mind has got to go on a little bit of autopilot where I'm not just grasping at, let him speak. Just let him speak and trust him. I'll tell him over and over again, the closer it gets to that message when it hasn't come together yet in an outline. To me, that's the crisis. Do you agree with that, Ed? It's going from the larger study to what lands in the actual outline. That, yeah, that's going to be the crisis. And that's part of the challenge is getting that's to the actual the outline. Challenge.
So you're, 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 you're engaging these ideas, you're engaging mm-hmm. with the Lord, you're engaging mm-hmm. the text, and mm-hmm. you, t- you tend to, for those who, who maybe not have heard you, you tend to um, pick a text, go through, kind of walk through that text. Um, you're not as much a topical kind of person where there's like seven or eight texts and they're all kind of bring together a theme. Um, and so, so why, and though I've seen you, you do different, different ways, but, um, what then, how do you then get to, cause you said your, your points are not temporal. They tend to be more eternal. So how do you build out the skeleton of the points? Mm-hmm. Okay. This you talked about, this is where prayer comes in because I'm asking God now take that from the page and all of this, that's in my big blonde head because I love the study process so much. So I'm going to have studied, well, how, how many hours for one message? Say it's a 45 minute message. And that really is generous. If we're talking about a service of some kind, that probably is going to be the, the longer amount instead of the, the shorter. Uh, how in the world do we get hours of study into something that now fits into a cohesive uh, shorter message. And so, so, so much prayer. And so I'll just start taking down ideas. I'll circle on my notes. Okay. These were the main ideas. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I, I don't, I don't know how it would be any different for any of us, but it, it may, it may. One of the things I'm having to go on as I pray it through, Ed, is what is it that jumped out to me? Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a um, very much a fellow sojourner. I'm still in it. I have lots of problems. I still have family problems. I still have worries and stresses and all of those things. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm having to trust the Lord that what is jumping off the page at me is going to be something that will be common to them. And um, there's sometimes that's not true, but for the most part, even when I began writing Bible studies, I had no idea how to do it. And when my class just insisted that I try, I thought, well, I'm gonna do the best I can to take them through it in the way that the Lord has taken me through it in hopes that what jumped off the page at me might jump off the page at them. Can I trust that process, the timing of God, that he made sure this was what my heart was tender to for now, where it's not self-centered and and hyper-specific, but that it just goes with the common problems of humanity. And I've got plenty of them. So I'm really having to trust that, that what what's coming alive for me. I'm looking, if this makes any sense to anybody, um, I, I talk better in this kind of vernacular than I do uh, academic vernacular. But I, I'm looking for that word that is hot, uh, that is, that's coming off that page and into the marrow of my bones. What's got the heat of the Holy Spirit on it? His word is like fire in my bones. What in that text, what, where is the heat of the Holy Spirit? So, you know, you've got your wild person here that also thinks in those terms. <laughs> okay, so when you say uh, from the text, so mm-hmm. we're talking about some of which you're on writing and marinating over the biblical text. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yes. And so when you're looking for what comes, when you're drawing out there, um, is it come both from, are your points always structured around following the text, or are they built ideas that come from your marinating around the text? So or, or, or from those... commentaries or from readings that I'm doing? Um, yeah. Both, both. Okay. Uh, again, because I'm really looking for lasting, timeless, major points, right. then they're going to be pretty forthrightly from the scriptures. But the reason why they'll sometimes be worded differently, I might think of a different way to word a very timeless mm-hmm. truth is so that it will stick out enough for very churched people not to just go somewhere else in their thoughts. I've heard this before right. and just kind of right. right. Okay. Right. This is one of the challenges yeah. is that, of course, we know that what our listeners would want is Second Timothy 3, 
scratch our itching ears, give us something brand new. Well, this is not new. It's For those just, listening, she's holding up the Bible right now. Right. It's just, you know, this is this is an ancient and timeless and current word. So I've got this this truth on this page, but I can I can use illustrations or I can use a synonym. Okay, hold on, hold on. I want you to get there. Okay, so right now we've got our, let's let's just say it's three or four. Mm -hmm. I do five Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. points. Those are timeless. Those are uh, drawn from your text. You're marinating in around the interaction of the text. Um, And then you begin to, uh, again, I use the word skeleton, so let's keep building on that. Then you're going to put some meat on the bones. Yes. Um, That's always a strange phrase, but I I think people get that. Um, So talk to me about where those illustrations come in, how often, how do you plan them and intersperse them through the three, four, five points? How does that work? Now, what I'm doing throughout that preparation process is that I'm I'm looking for for very uh, fresh illustrations from whatever I'm experiencing. One of the things that I pray is out of Acts chapter 16, where it says that God opened Lydia's heart to pay attention. And even this morning, Ed, I prayed because I'm I'm praying toward a, a couple of upcoming messages, and I prayed, God, give open my heart to pay attention. Help me to watch for you, watch what you're doing, watch for conversations, watch for sights of observing things, whatever it may be, because that's probably what I love the most is that which has been very recent, that's fresh on my mind, that jumped out at me, whether it's in an aisle in the grocery store, whether it's in a Starbucks line, whatever it may be. But that's that's what I'm hoping for, something fresh. And I do use uh, I do use old illustrations sometimes, but and I feel free to. I don't I don't I don't like to be legalistic. It's just that I get bored easy, and I I I like to do something that's fresh. But what I'm going to do I, I'm as I'm working through those points, the Ill, either I at one way or another I'm trying to get across a how I'm trying to to see if they are connecting and I'm, I'm watching them. One of the hard things about the pandemic was that we all went so long just talking to a camera. Yeah. When we get a little more seasoned and experienced, and you know, I don't have expertise to bring you today, Ed, but what I do have is a lot of experience, 40, 40 years. And what I have, what God has given me, is the um, is often the discernment to know how something's coming across just from their body language, from mm. their faces, and I don't need it to be vocal. I don't have to have noise. I can tell from their faces, so I'll sort of know. Okay, that's not landing. I need I need to expound on that. So each point is going to have some 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 kind of way I'm going to expound on it. It may not be an illustration. It may be just a a further understanding. Maybe it's another verse that I'm going to turn them to. As as we always hear it said, there is no better teacher of scripture than scripture, just to be able to go back and forth uh, and see how they relate to one another and how they how, the, how one scripture will enlighten us to the meaning of another. But I'm going to talk about all those points for a couple of minutes. Okay, so say, for instance, you got a 35-minute message. You need an intro so that your group feels like they know you a little bit. Mm-hmm. So unless you are their teacher or their pastor or their a, a, a continual communicator in that particular platform, they need to know you a little bit so that they can scoot into the table with you and sit across the text from you. Then you begin reading the text. And then what you're doing now is really giving them reasons to think they should even give it a second thought in application. So why, how, Beth, how does it, how does it work? What difference does that even make? And to me, even when it is a passage, say it's Isaiah chapter six, and it's just about the glory and majesty of God, how does that change me? And that's where it's got to land. So ultimately what I'm working toward, when I, by the time I get to the end of that message, 
What are they to do with it? What was the point of it? My editor taught me a long, long time ago. He said, Beth, at the end of every lesson, he was talking about written lesson or spoken lesson, always ask if someone asked that reader or listener or viewer, what was that about? Could they answer it in one sentence? Hmm. And so I let that guide me constantly. So I'm trying to help them with that sentence, even though I don't say it, I'm trying to help them come to that sentence by the time we're at the end of that message. I'll, I'll infer it in the beginning. I will land hard on it by the end where I'm hoping they know exactly what they came in there to hear. But even if it seems to have very little application at all, say for instance, going back to that, that uh, example of the grandeur and majesty of God. H how does it change me? That's my God. Hebrews 4 says, I have bold access to that throne for grace and mercy in my time of need. So there's just no part of it. The pure power of the text changes me in that I, that's my God and that's that's his word. So I think that that to ask God, convey that, convey that and and cause them to pay attention and cause the eyes of their hearts to be enlightened. You know, I, I, I don't remember who my preaching professor was, but I remember I don't remember his name. I remember he's, him saying that we're going to, you know, each let's say three points and it'll be uh, you know, you'll, you'll state the point, you'll read the text, you'll have explanation. Uh, then he talked about uh, affirmation, bringing another verse. Then he said illustration at every point and then application at every point. And, and um, boy, and it was, it was technically very difficult to follow. I don't, I don't necessarily follow that, that way today, but I remember him saying that you got to bring application at the end of every point. Um, a big part of our conversation in this whole great communicator series has been, where does application fit? Some have said, man, I just built my whole message around application. Here are three things you should know, do, or say, and then bring the text in. Some people say, I do the text, and then I bring application in the conclusion. So I'm interested. How do you, how, when, how and when do you bring application in? Because a lot of what you said from the beginning was you wanted it to go from the page to the, yes, to to the, the, pavement. Uh, to the pavement. And so how do you get it to the pavement? Yes. Yes. Now, I don't have a standard way that I always do it. Okay. Most right. of the time, those illustrations or applications are going to be worked in per point as I go. Per point, okay. Unless, uh -huh, unless the text does not need interrupting. There are times, let me think of an example, when the text itself, I was just talking about Isaiah chapter six. There are so many places in Isaiah that this would be true, where the text itself just needs to be taught and described without application. Just let, just set it out there and let them behold it, behold the beauty of it. Just, um, and then, so then in that case, if I don't want to interrupt the, beauty of that text. I want that to be displayed before them. I want them, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will bring all, then my application is going to be toward the end. It just depends on whether or not the text itself is given to breaking it up, or if it just needs to be, I don't know a better word to say than just beheld, the, the beauty, the beauty of it. Um, right. One of the things that I'll find just in my love of scripture, I don't doubt that this is a little bit you as well, Ed, but I'd let you say that for yourself. When I have a speaker or teacher who I'm listening to, whether I am listening to a podcast or I am watching a sermon or I'm in church or I'm at a conference, whatever it may be, when they love the text and teach the text, most of the time, I cannot keep the tears out of my eyes. Mm -hmm. Out of pure love of the text, I just the, 
the pure wonder of the text. And so I'm asking God to work that in that listener, that God give them, give me the spirit of wisdom and of revelation to know you um, and give it to them. I, I don't, and I don't just pray for my anointing. I am asking him to anoint everybody in that room, every single person there, that they will sense the life of the word, that whether or not, I do believe that God can be experienced. I also believe he can be very mysterious and very hidden. So we don't look for a certain way that appears. We can't make a, a rule out of that. But we can ask God that in every atmosphere where the word of God is open, that they will sense the spirit, whether in a palpable sense around them, where he's, for whatever reason he's manifested a, a strong sense of his corporate presence, or whether it's inside of them, but that we can ask for the the spirit of God to bear witness, and that's that's what we want from that audience. We want that that word that we have the privilege to bring to bear witness in that listener where they're going on. I, I always ask the Lord, cause them to know it's true. That for some, in a way that they can't even articulate or explain, that they would be able to hear the word of God and go, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to rationalize it. I just knew it was true. I knew the gospel was true. I knew Jesus was real and that the cross and resurrection were not fiction. So I, I'm praying for supernatural things to take place in very, very yeah. practical ways. No, and I think I think it's interesting because when I when I watch you begin a message, a couple of things come to mind. You're you bring a message, but you can tell you have been with the one who has burdened you with the message. And I think that's a, you've already articulated that to a very important degree. You also seem to come as if there's like, oh, there's just something I've got to tell you. Yes. And that's why I like the that's why I would like the word message. I mean, you got a message you're delivering. You got I got something you gotta know, and this is amazing and you got to know it and i think that draws in people to and then of course you know i mean again your communication skills are, are, are remarkable and the lord's used you so come to we've, we've kind of structured the sermon we've walked through some of the points you've got these you know these timeless points you've talked about how sometimes you illustrate sometimes you bring in other scriptures um you're bring sewing in different things leading to the end of it so talk to me about when you're coming to the end of that that message um, what does that look like? What are you thinking about in the closing of it? Recognizing that that you and I both are, we speak often on other people's platforms and sometimes on our on our own. So let's just when you're at one of your a living proof event or you're doing something where you determine how you close that message. What does that look like, and how do you how do you land it well? Mm -hmm. I am looking, what I'm praying for is that it's going to somehow tie up into a comprehensive whole. So I feel that way at the end of a Living Proof Live after three different sessions of teaching over the course of a weekend. But I also am after the same thing in, say, a 35, 40 minute message in that I am hoping by the time we get to the end of it, that all of those points they threaded together, they were braided together in such a way that it's comprehensive and they're coming to the end of it, knowing something to do with it. And Ed, what I'm after over and over again, there'll be practical things that I'm hoping to land with them. But the thing that I'm hoping more than anything else is that they would want to leave that place and go find a room and shut themselves in in it with Jesus and the scriptures. I'm I'm wanting them to want it for themselves that it would not be something that they just man I'd love to hear her or him over and over again but no I want to know the one they know and I want to love the scriptures like they love the scriptures and that that is what i'm hoping for that they leave there with that in them that they are encouraged um listen if god is speaking that's everything i'm after I, and i say that because even when 
what I'm hearing from God, and of course I'm not talking about with my um, physical ears, but, but with my heart, what I'm hearing in my spirit, even if it's a rebuke, even if it's conviction of sin, listen, God's still talking. I don't, I don't know if I can make this very clear, but I love the voice of God in the text so much. And even if it's a hard word, just for God to speak. I love that he set Israel apart by saying that they would be the people that hear, O Israel, that they were given the ability to hear God. And um, so I, I, I love that. Uh, it's when it's just a silent void that I find life to be the hardest. So of course I'm wanting them sent home with the, with the belief that God has spoken life and spirit uh, into them, that they've got a, a, a little more courage to make it a little longer. Jesus said, my, my words are life and spirit. And um, I, I take him up on that. I'm believing that they're gonna leave, that they're gonna leave with that and that they're gonna be infected by the love and affected by the love of Christ. I believe permanent things, lifelong things can happen in even a few minutes. The Lord doesn't, <laughs> some things take a long time. Other things, just, I said last week, I got to um, serve at our dear friend, Derwin Gray's church, a friend I made through you, by the way, Ed, and I will, I will always be and a funny place we met. So, but that's another yes, story for another day. <laughs> it, it really, it really is. But um, one of the things I said to that group is that in so many ways we are in process with the Lord. He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. You know, He's working. He's sanctifying us. He's He's uh, transforming us from glory to glory. But every now and then, you just hope something could get settled now. And so I I love that. I love if if a message encourages and is part of a long, long process. Yes, yes, yes. But I also oh. believe there can be messages where we just go, that there's no going back. That where something was just settled for us. That was the, where, the turning point. Yes. Yes. Fascinating. Um we, of course, you knew the topic beforehand. So if there's anything I didn't ask and you want to just put in there, I want to just receive it. But, but, um, but if not to, or even in the midst of that, what, what advice would you give for preachers and teachers who want to be more faithful and more fruitful in mm -hmm. the, as they communicate these messages, hoping, you know, looking for life change, looking for people to engage the word of God? Uh, what, what word of advice would you give as we close? I, I'd love and to anything else you want to add to that, that. It all begins in their own intimate relationship with Christ, that everything is flowing. What you're hoping to do is teach and preach out of the overflow. Now, sometimes we're as dry as a bone because we've been physically ill. Uh, we've been under tremendous strain or pressure, whatever it may be. God is so merciful. But I'm talking about as a lifestyle, as a practice, as a teacher, preacher, or communicator, that it's coming out of our own relationship with Christ. I cannot say enough. I know th this is the thing is that I, I start getting antsy when I'm talking about this because I already know that this is where a lot of us just sort of like flip a switch because we think, well, everybody's supposed to say that and everybody knows it. Let me tell you something. You can tell the difference between the people who really do do this and those who do not. And I cannot say enough that it is the difference between night and day. When we're talking about a long, a long ministry, something that is enduring, that the difference is going to be that you knew that was coming out of their own relationship with Jesus. I would say to you, study and study hard. Be a student of scripture. Do the homework. Do the work. I would also say guard, guard vehemently against performance where you're going in to serve, that you're going in to, to be of aid and serve. You are a servant to them that day, not someone to be watched and not someone to be admired. That can be all the difference in the world. Um, and for longevity's sake, to learn how to deal 
with failure and criticism. And, and it's a must, Ed, you, you and I know that. I was gonna say at our age, I'm, I'm quite a, a bit older than you, but we've both been in ministry a long time and you have to learn, we have to learn how to take criticism, how good God is to guard us from being full of ourselves. We cannot be full of the Holy Spirit and full of ourselves at the same time. We're going to be full of one or the other. We are not going to balance it out and mix it where we and God get to share glory. He just doesn't work that way. Might work for one message, might work for two or three, might work for a couple of years. It's not going to work in the long end. But what God uses so often to temper us is that it didn't go as well as we thought or we wanted to. We thought man we thought this was such a great message it didn't come across great maybe we got criticized for it uh let that be let it do its perfect work let it do the humbling that it needs to do let it send us back to study believe it or not now i'm harassment and disdain and hate and bullying do not do not help us but critique and some criticism, woo, it can be if we're going to talk about when we talk about how to really grow in your gifting or your craft. Oh, criticism has a place. It has a place. And also, you know, have guts enough to listen to people who are a whole lot better than you are. Um, I was thinking, I think you said, Ed, earlier in our conversation before we ever went on uh, went, you know, on record that, for instance, Andy Stanley is a part of this series. Am, am I right about that? Yes, uh-huh. Yep. Well, he is just, to me, if you want to see or listen to someone who I believe to be one of the best communicators. Oh, he's a remarkable communicator. Strictly I'm talking about the ability to connect, which is paramount that there is a connection. You better not be up on this platform and them down on that ground or it's not going to work. They, the most that's going to happen, maybe they'll admire you. Big deal. That will mean nothing in 10 minutes. But the ability to level that ground and communicate and connect with that audience, he is masterful. Uh, watch and listen to people and don't become them, but get get um, encouragement from them, learn from them, let them be your teachers. Uh, that That is critical. Good counsel, good exhortation from Beth Moore. Thanks for being a part of our Great Communicator series. And as always, good to have a fun conversation with you. I loved it, Ed. Thank you so much. You've been hearing from Beth Moore. You can learn more about her and her ministry at lproof.org. Thanks again for listening to the Sessor Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcasts. And again, if you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments to leave us a review that'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.